Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists, faculty members, and your hosts for The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Welcome back, Sasso Squad, and any new listeners to another episode of The Postgraduate Pharmacist, where we're all about helping you separate and stand out as you prepare for postgraduate training. From current events to expert advice, we bring you up-to-date content every other Monday related to postgraduate training. Join the Sasso Squad today and follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at The Postgraduate Pharmacist. And check out our website at postgraduatepharmacist.com where you can get all of our latest content. If you love the show and want to support what we're doing, check out ways to spread the word on our website or buy us a cup of coffee. We could always use the caffeine. So, as you may have heard in our bonus episode, we had to take a quick break from our fellowship series, but we are in the process of getting some A-list guests on the show to really give you the hidden details. We'll pick back up with the fellowship series in about a month or so, and we promise it's worth the wait. But let's talk about the stuff where we've got planned for today. Well, I'm pumped for today. We finally get to interview one of my favorite podcast personalities and talk about something I don't think we have ever mentioned on the show, teaching and learning curriculum programs. Definitely a popular addition to any postgraduate experience. And who better to help us talk about them than Dr. Allison Chung, who is faculty with Taylor and I at the Harrison College of Pharmacy, aka the fun coordinator for Mobile Satellite Campus. And for the first time ever, a fellow podcasting host of the Pediatric Pharmacist Review, which you can listen to on all major podcasting apps. So I love having another podcast enthusiast, but it's great to have you as a guest on our show today. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk to y'all about the residency teaching and learning program. Well, from one podcaster to another, can you tell us what your show is about? Yes, I'd love to. So my show is about basically everything pediatrics, so kids. And mostly we've talked a lot about like how also to get into pediatrics and how, as a pharmacist, how to get into pediatrics and how to like decide on your route into pediatrics and being a clinical practitioner, being an academic. And then we also talk about other pediatric topics like COVID in peds. And we're probably going to talk about the COVID vaccines and MISC and the kids list and some other things I have planned to talk about in the podcast. But it's connected to uh, the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So I'm kind of under a broad group of different podcast hosts. Well, I definitely know a lot of students that have an interest in peds. So that's going to be like the one thing I refer them to from now on is your show. So definitely check out the Pediatric Pharmacist Review. I've listened to it myself. I can say it's a really good program, really fun. And gives you great information on pediatric topics. Uh, you'll find a link in the show notes below so you can check it out yourself. So with our topic today, once again, excited to have you, Allison, because you've been helping coordinate the resident teaching and learning program here at Auburn for a while now. Personally, I think there's a huge misconception that teaching and learning certificates, TLCs, are for those just wanting to teach, when in fact, I think they're just so much more. 
Yeah, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I know students ask me all the time when they're looking for programs, you know, one of the things they look for is a teaching certificate, but, you know, maybe they're not really sure of why they're looking for that and what the purpose of them are. So really excited to talk about them today. So why don't we go ahead and jump right in? So Allison, why should a postgraduate trainee or candidate be interested in a teaching and learning curriculum that programs have to offer? What can those types of programs offer them? So I think a teaching and learning certificate program, any of, there's many programs out there, and I know we're going to talk about that later, but I do think it's super important for any pharmacist because it teaches you how to teach. And I think every pharmacist has some kind of teaching role that they're going to have to do in any setting. If it's not teaching their patients, teaching other students, teaching healthcare providers, you're always doing some kind of education and teaching. And most programs I feel like are very global. And so they kind of help you just with the basics of how to teach, how to give feedback, how to give good assessments and those kind of things. So I think it's just a real good thing to do globally. Not to mention a lot of the residency programs do have it as one of their RLS requirements as well. And education is usually under that. Yeah, what's what's our our residency RLS? learning system? Okay. <laughs> one of their objectives under their learning system. I love how you put it as when you are at that level, you're a pharmacist, you're you're an expert in your field, which is usually the medication expert. So when it comes to other healthcare providers, other people, like you mentioned patients, yeah, you're going to have to translate the information you know to them in some form. And so you cannot escape teaching. It doesn't matter what setting you're in. I love the way you put that. So I think you've described that there's a good benefit for anybody or any resident that is completing a, a residency program. But if somebody is wanting to go into academia, how might a teaching and learning curriculum program benefit them? I think it's even more essential if you really want to go into academia, because a lot of the programs I think will teach you and how to teach basically and the fundamentals. And a lot of them have things where you actually have to experience teaching and assessment and evaluations and feedback and just understanding the whys and hows of the academia as well. Teaching in a classroom, in a lecture hall, learning the technology, learning about active learning and those kind of things. Of course, all the programs are different, but I think you get a lot of those fundamentals and it would look really good, I think, on your CV to show that you really are interested in teaching if you have a certificate program. And you mentioned that they're different. And I think that's a great point that from one program to the next, there's a huge range in how complex these things can get. And so I kind of wanted to jump into right now. Can you tell us about the one at Auburn? Because that's got something I've never seen before in a program. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? So yeah, we really want to give our residents more hands-on experience in teaching. So we have like specific requirements where they have to teach in the classroom to pharmacy students. They have to teach 
non-students, so usually like healthcare providers or patients, but in a group, they have to also do a teaching portfolio. They have to write a teaching philosophy. And then, of course, there's other things they have to do. They have an assessment, assessment piece, so they have to learn how to grade an assessment. They also have to be able to give peer feedback to the residents. So we do have quite a bit of requirements in our program, but I do think it gives them a good breadth of experience and different levels of teaching. And you have the two tracks, right? The yes. precepting and academia, which shows you that they don't all have to be like an academia focused one. Yeah, and I think with that variability between programs, that to me just signals a, a good opportunity for candidates to ask about those teaching and learning curriculums. So maybe not whether or not they have one, but what does it entail? What are what are my expectations as part of that? Am I required to do it? And things like that, because I think that would be more interesting, especially if you have different goals than maybe somebody else. But I, I love that our program has you know, the two tracks to really make it customizable to what the resident is hoping to get out of the experience. And that leads me to the broader question, or just like the overall concept, you can't just check the box of they have one of these. You can't, if they have the teaching and learning curriculum, I'm good. It, it requires way more granular investigation into like what makes up this teaching and learning curriculum. But before we get into that discussion, we just told you before the show, our tradition is to ask you questions. So if, if you're um, okay, which you're so um, we know you so well, it's oh, no. so hard to actually ask you a question because it's like, well, what, how can we pick on her? What, what, what question could we actually ask? That I tried not to be mean. I thought I could ask you a question about Nordstrom because I know you like to shop there. <laughs> but I'm like, how many good questions could we, could we possibly have about that? <laughs> so I just picked a random current uh -oh. events. You don't need any prior knowledge okay, to answer okay. this one. You just need good <laughs> intuition. Okay. So I love um I love trade ups where you like if you've ever seen you go from like a having a useless household item like a pencil and you end up trading to like a flat screen TV or something like that. I think like the record for trade-ups was a kid went all the way to a home. Like he, he traded up to a home eventually. We used to do them back home in Johnson City in one of these old neighborhoods. They would do a whole neighborhood-wide yard sale. And my friends would always take a paperclip and they go around <laughs> and they try to see how much they could trade up to. And usually it was just people being like, whatever, I don't need this here, take this. And they, they get so excited when they came back with like an umbrella. They're like, it took five trades. I got an umbrella from a paperclip. <laughs> but recently, a Canadian man tried to do the same thing with an item that he found in his newly purchased home. He actually bought ad space on a huge billboard in downtown Toronto, offering up the item. It showed the item description, how to contact him. So my question is, what was he trying to trade <laughs> Was it a piece of still edible string cheese found in his fridge? Ew. Was it of the vintage Beatles white album vinyl record from 1968? Was it a deck of bicycle playing cards complete with jokers? Or was it an ITT Kellogg 1955 candy apple red rotary telephone? <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess the deck of cards. Deck of cards with jokers? Okay. <laughs> It's like the most boring of the answers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think the string cheese is a little too out there. Uh huh. But if I if I had that Beatles album, I wouldn't want to trade it. So I'm right. gonna go with, I'm gonna go with the uh, that's what I was with thinking. That red 
the last one. They, the the last Kellogg nineteen fifty five candy apple red rotary phone. Yeah, um, Kellogg does make rotary phones. I don't know if they make candy apple red, but that is incorrect. It is also not the playing card. <laughs> you all were right with the the Beatles um, white record. That that wasn't it, but it was the string cheese. Ew. Had a still edible, still in its package, marbled string cheese. You know the ones that are white and yellow. He had that. I don't know how much he paid for the billboard, <laughs> but it's probably not a good use of money. Still no offers on it to this day. So, I have a quick question. Instead of picking on Allison, I was actually going to pick on Sean. <laughs> <laughs> good. I like that. Since he stumped us. He stumped me with a Top Gun trivia question a few weeks ago, so I'm going to try to get him back for that. <laughs> His trivia question is about where the new Top Gun movie was filmed. But my question is actually about the original Top Gun. Who was the director of the original Top Gun? Was it James Cameron, Tony Scott, Joseph Kaczynski, or Michael Bay? I don't think Michael Bay was directing movies back then. I thought he was more recent. James Cameron's an an easy plant. I thought it was Tony Scott. That's going to be my answer. I have no idea. <laughs> she thinks Tony. I'm gonna have to come up with some harder trivia questions because Tony Scott is correct. Yeah. Oh. Joseph Kaczynski was actually the director of the new Top Gun movie. Was he Top really? Yeah. I thought that name was honestly. I was gonna. I was fifty fifty between those two. Well, anyway, back to <laughs> back to what we were teeing up before. <laughs> the probably most amazing trivia session we've ever had <laughs> looking into these programs and, and what to look for. So what are some of the things that you might be looking for or some of the things you should identify when you're evaluating each of these programs from one institution to the next? I think one of the things like you were saying is how hands-on are you really going to be in this program? I've heard of other programs where it's all online. You just go through like online sessions and watch like webinars and things like that. So I don't feel like you're getting a great experience by an all online either because they're just telling you things. You know, you really have to inquire like how active are you going to be in this program and how active are the faculty involved in this in the program as well because I know with our program we are very involved and very actively having oversight what the residents are doing and we try really hard to provide them with feedback all the time and try to steer them in the right directions to find them really good activities to do to meet their requirements So I think that's something you really have to inquire about. Like, is it just an online class? Is it just you go to a workshop for a day or something like that? Or is it like ours, which is longitudinal and you have to actually do specific teaching requirements and you have to get the feedback and the evaluations and all those kind of things? Do you know of a program that's not associated with the College of Pharmacy? Yeah, I think I have heard of some that are not associated with colleges of pharmacy, and that's a good point, too. I would definitely find out who's providing the program. Like, ASHP has a program, too. Oh, do they? Yeah. Because there's one of, like, the online ones? I think theirs is the online one. Because that's what, it just made me think of that. When you said there's programs that do online webinars, I was wondering if maybe those are the programs that don't have a college of pharmacy nearby, so they're, like, piggybacking on one of these more national programs that, that you can right. access anywhere. Right. Yeah. I know ASHP definitely has one. I 
think theirs is all online. I'm pretty sure. Well, that's all great information. And I know you've kind of hit on this already, but I kind of want to just reiterate it again. So you, we've kind of talked about how it could benefit somebody who's going into academia. But if somebody decides that academia is not for them, they just want to work as maybe a clinical pharmacist, what do you perceive as the benefits for somebody to seek out one of these programs? I know Auburn's kind of unique in that they have the two tracks, and I think other places might as well, but it's just a general teaching and learning curriculum. What are some of the benefits that they might get? Yeah, I did kind of mention this before. I think anybody who's pursuing a residency probably wants to become more of a clinical pharmacist. So I would think most of them are at some point in time going to have students. Majority of clinical pharmacists, and I would think a lot want to have students as well, So I think you get a lot of good skills on how to deal with students and how to precept and what your roles should be and how to give good feedback. And as I said before, you're going to have to give feedback. You're going to have to teach people all the time. So just some of those, I guess, soft skills that you can get an experience and learn about and learn how to hone how you educate and teach your population that you're going to deal with, if it's going to be other healthcare providers or patients or students. I think that was one of my favorite things from the programs I've been in was learn how to deal with difficult students and how to challenge high performing students. Because it's just things like you can't fathom until you have one. Yes. Oh, yes, (laughs) definitely. It's like you can't imagine what it's like until it's actually there in front of you. And you're like, oh, so this is what what a student who's not performing well (laughs) or difficult or doesn't want to be here. And what, what can I do about this? So I think that's like good to have those strategies beforehand. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, I kind of thought of when you were mentioning, you know, the soft skills and things like that is not even from like a student precepting standpoint, but I know with Auburn's, we have them get up and, you know, or they teach in front of a classroom potentially and incorporate active learning and things like that. So I'm just thinking like if they're invited to give a national presentation or a local presentation, you know, having those skills to get up in front of an audience and talk about something for a given amount of time and incorporate activities. Like, I think that's a useful skill. I think a lot of clinical pharmacists would potentially want to pursue that and incorporate that as part of their career. So even if it's not a direct student interaction, you know, I think that can benefit them as well. And I actually think some of the skills we teach, as I was thinking about it too, you know, if you're going to be a parent, even like (laughs) some of the skills we teach, like how to give good feedback and those type of things is also important. So I'm going to go back through your uh, (laughs) RTLP, the resident (laughs) teaching and learning program, get some tips. Yeah, I I do a feedback sandwich with Rosie all the time. I'm like, you're really good. You're a really nice little girl. But when you hit your finger right there, (laughs) that wasn't great. But, you know, keep up the strong. Uh, No, that's that makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah. How to interact with people, how to like how to deal with difficult situations, how to think through that stuff. I think that's all great. And yeah, you can apply it in any setting, really. So simple question. Are these teaching learning programs, are they are they free or do they cost extra money? So ours costs a little bit extra. It's just a hundred dollars, but we actually um, let and if you take our students for rotations, then the program gets the teaching and learning program free. So others, I've heard of a lot of others that are free also. 
and they do the same thing is if it's free to those that take their students or they already have some kind of benefit with or some kind of relationship with there are some that cost money because i know like the ashp yeah, must cost money cost actually quite a bit i think I don't remember exactly how much it was, but I feel like it was like 300 or something like that. So the benefit is if you are already in the program and you're associated with a pharmacy school and the pharmacy school usually doesn't charge if you take their students, I think. Because I know some of my friends who have residency teaching learning programs as well, they also have it free for the people who take their students. Yeah, and I and like you said if it's if you're not taking students $100, but you're you're talking about a year's worth of curriculum and time and resources and mentoring and and all this stuff. I know it sounds like a lot is when you're not making that much money. <laughs> True. But, you know, if the program checks out cuz I can't speak for every program and say it's worth the money, but the program offers a lot of these things that we're talking about today. Think it's definitely worth it to pursue especially if you're if you're at all interested in building in your career and becoming that leader or teacher into or especially if you want to do academia a lot of i think a lot of the residency programs will actually pay for it for the residents too because a lot of the residency programs want their residents to do it mm -hmm. so yeah it checks i know as an rpd i could i could like create a learning experience out of it, which is the rotation. And uh, I could like tie in a lot of those objectives and, and it would check boxes for me, which would save me time. So it is incentivized for programs to put their residents in it. Last question that we have time for. So what are some questions for candidates to ask during showcases or interviews if there's not a lot of information about the teaching certificate or teaching and learning program on the website? I think you should probably find out who's offering the program. Mm. Is it the institution or is it attached to a school of pharmacy or maybe they don't offer it at all and you can just take an online or find some type of program somewhere. So you probably should find out what the actual, who's actually offering it. And of course, how much it costs and those type of things, because that might be important to you as well. And then finding out, I would ask the other residents who might have taken it, what their experience was like and find out how intense it was, how hands on it was. You can ask the RPDs, but I honestly don't know how often the RPDs will know. Because obviously, all the RPDs know is that what our requirements are, essentially, and then they usually don't come and get involved with the program themselves. They probably get some feedback from the residents, but I don't know how much they get. So I would actually ask the residents and try to find out if they've done it and what their experience and get some feedback from them on if they felt like it was worthwhile or not. And also like workload. That's the other thing that you should really think about is do you think you're going to be too busy to actually do a good job and get a really good outcome from the teaching and learning program? Or are you just going to like, are you going to get too stressed and then you won't be able to finish some of the requirements? I mean, we definitely have people who don't finish all of our requirements because they find out in the middle of the residency year that they're like too busy and they just can't keep up and can't do everything. 
And that that happens. Some people, you just can't do everything. I want to add, because your program does a really cool thing with you can teach like in a lecture, you can facilitate a lab, or you can you can do like different types of teaching. I right. think add, like if there's flexibility in the type of teaching you can do, or if you're basically assigned like what you're teaching, because that might fit your personality better to know that you're not just going to be thrown into a pharmacy school and do a lecture mm -hmm. versus getting to maybe do something more with like practicum students or interprofessional stuff or facilitating a lab if that's the thing you're interested in. So being able to tailor your teaching. I also think being in that, like we actually have required intensive sessions where they have to come in person. So for some people, they might not want to do that. So you might want to find out if they have like required sessions in person or you can stay online. We actually find it really beneficial to have the intensive sessions have it in person because then all the different residency programs and all the different residents can interact. And we find that networking collaboration really useful as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Allison. Is there any last piece of advice you want to leave our SASO squad with? Um, I would definitely strongly suggest a residency and teaching learning program, <laughs> but I am probably biased, <laughs> but I do think that there's a lot of benefit from it. And so I would say, you know, you should definitely inquire about it when you start looking at residencies. I don't think that many residency programs actually list it as something because it's probably optional for a lot of programs. Mm -hmm. So that's why you really probably need to actually ask. It's definitely a question to ask. And I think they're so commonplace now. Like most programs have a connection with one. So if you don't see it, it's probably there. And, and you need to say, hey, do, do you do this? Is this a thing? Because a lot of people just don't update their program listings. Right. <laughs> like five years old. <laughs> well, Allison, it was uh it was great having you on the show today. Thanks so much. Uh you didn't get you got one trivia question right, 50-50. Um, no, I didn't. So, uh, we'll have to get you back on the show sometime so you can you can redeem yourself and get them all right and get yourself some free swag from our from our store. <laughs> Wait, there's free swag? If you get all the trivia questions say, right. You didn't well tell me that. I didn't I didn't want to pressure Ugh. you and Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.